This is the Bare Naked Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Party. I'm a mindfulness mentor and breathwork facilitator who's here to bring you unfiltered conversations about mindset, spirituality, holistic healing, and entrepreneurship. Bare Naked Soul is about expressing who you truly are underneath it all as you shed the layers of who you think you're supposed to be. This is my journey of letting my authentic soul speak in hopes that it inspires you and teaches you to explore and express who you really are too. Okay, hello guys, and welcome back to Bare Naked Soul. I have a beautiful guest with me today, Lindsay. She's pretty amazing. We connected on Instagram a couple months ago and we've kind of been in touch. And then we recently did a meditation and breath work ceremony together, which was so awesome. So Lindsay led us through a guided meditation, which was like super deep and super spiritual and just like so grounding. Um, and then I led us through a conscious connected breath work. We kind of did like this fusion. So yeah, it's in my membership, um, the breath portal, it's in her membership, deep waters. So yeah, we've been kind of connected ever since, and we are finally getting to record a podcast interview for you guys today. So Lindsay Schroeder is a spiritual wellness, intuitive business and mindset coach. And with the company she founded R&R, she supports soulpreneurs and spiritually curious beings in developing their intuition, reprogramming their paradigm, accessing their alignment, and up-leveling their lives and businesses. Lindsay is a Reiki master, a light worker, intuitive healer, and a passionate divine feminine practitioner. Her, her services are often described as otherworldly, without words, transformative, and her favorite, like being on a spiritual drug. Lindsay is a gifted, intuitive channel and energy worker, and she's cultivated a practice all on her own um, for 10 plus years offering spiritual services. Thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I feel like, okay, so to me, you're like this, you remind me of like a shaman kind of, you're like this powerful healing medicine woman. And I'm just wondering, like, I'm curious for myself, how did this come to be? Were you always spiritual? How did you find spirituality and end up um, a teacher for all of these things in, a, in this energy healer? Tell us kind of the story. Yeah, I was very intuitive when I was little. Um, it definitely like got me into some trouble where I like knew things that like I couldn't have known. And it really started to mess with the adults around me. Like my parents always thought that the other parent told me stuff that they like really shouldn't have told me. When we were at like family gatherings, I could always tell if like people were like not getting like, especially couples were not getting along. I knew when someone was like cheating before I even knew like what cheating was like lots of not great things. I also had a really intense gift of manifestation. I actually manifested a horse into my backyard uh, as a child because I wanted a horse so bad. And randomly there was just a horse in our backyard in like the suburbs. And I like went upstairs to my room and went and got a belt and was ready to go outside and go catch my horse. My mom was like, what is happening right now? I was like, oh, that's God sent that to me, mom. Like that's for me. And she was like, absolutely not. Are you going to go out into the backyard as a child and try and catch this horse? So she had to like sit and like hold me and like called a friend and they had to like figure out how to get this horse out of our backyard and the burbs because like my powers of manifestation were like really keen even as a young child. So I've been extremely intuitive and spiritual and all of these things when I was really little. And then as they started to cause issues, I like shut them down forcefully. I was raised Catholic um, and it did not align very well. I've been, I like to say I've been like pansexual since I was pretty much born. I've also been polyamorous for the majority of my life. Like even in high school, I was polyamorous. And so I remember being super little, like marrying a boy on one arm and a girl on the other in front of my stuffed animals. And my Catholic school did not take kindly to my like pansexual polyamorous, like little witch intuitive self. And so I was kicked out of quite a lot of our religion classes. I was kicked out of our family life classes a lot. I was in a lot of trouble for a lot of my different beliefs. My mom caught me like practicing um, like my own version of witchy rituals, like in her bathroom with mirrors and salt and herbs and all these things when I was young. And so I ended up shoving it down a lot. 
And then when I finally went to college and had that separation from my family and my mother's family, who was also extremely Catholic and just like kind of got to relax and stretch my wings, so to speak, I ended up going into a spiritual shop on campus. Um, I don't even remember what I was looking for, but I like made eye contact with the woman at the desk there. And we had like a conversation on another plane and I like knew what she was saying to me. And I was like, later I like walked around and it was kind of uncomfortable. And then later I like said something to her. I was like, did we have a conversation? Like when I first, and she was like, yeah. And I was like, how? Like I was so just removed from it. And as soon as that happened to me, I was like, this is what I've been missing. Like, this is what I've been looking for. Like, this is how my friends described some of their religions and like loving going to church and having this deep connection with God. And for the longest time, I was searching to figure out what I believed about God. And I started reading um, Rilke, the poet, and he, he writes this book called Letters to a Young Poet, and it's translated from German. And there's this one line that I read in college. And from that moment, I like, started to understand the pull towards spirituality and it's translated in a bunch of different ways but basically it says like as bees gather honey so do we gather what is sweetest out of all life and create him and like capital h-i-m and it was the first time that i read anything that seemed religious that seemed um like an indoctrination type thing that resonated. And I was like, oh, like that's it. Like source is the most beautiful, the most potent, the like highest of all vibrations. It's like the best of all of us all in one. And then I really started to try and figure out what religion was for me, what spirituality was for me, what God was for me. And I ended up being called deeply to religion that looks much more like a direct communion with God. And for me, I do that often through the magic of plant medicines. Like ayahuasca for me has really transformed my relationship with, you know, father, mother, God, mother, father, goddess, the the Trinity, you know, source in general, all of these. And I have really started to understand my calling in a much deeper way. And spirituality is not only what I believe in and how I live my life, but like pretty much what I do all the time. It's it's my work, it's my business, it's who I am, it's what I believe in, it's the way that I live and how I like offer myself to this conscious experience. Wow, so interesting. So you are someone who like really had so much of that spirituality as a child and then kind of shoved it away like so many of us do, you know, yeah. with everything with school and religion and all of that. So you went to college. Um, and then did you ever use your, did you ever have like a corporate career where you, I can't see, I can't. Only I did. <laughs> I did. I did. So after college, well, in college, I was a professional makeup artist um, and worked for Bobby Brown out in like on my college campus. And then I was recruited for a kind of like a Sephora type thing where they have a bunch of different brands, but it was very boutique-y. And so when I started there, they had one store on campus and like had this idea of like doing this on different campuses of like having you know more of a college experience curated Sephora type thing and we started doing so well after they hired me that I ended up opening two other stores out on the east coast I became the national artist for their brand we had an online store there's a YouTube channel of baby Lindsay out there somewhere like teaching um, makeup education and so after college I ended up working for a salon spa and wellness facility um, I was brought on to manage their makeup program and do some of their buying, but they staffed intuitives and energy healers and had a crystal bar and an aura therapy machine. And so I was there for the more like practical technical stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And just like a gluttonous little child at a candy store, I just started to consume anything and everything and became Reiki attuned and slowly I just started to have so much knowledge and understanding that I ended up like leading women's groups and moon circles and goddess circles. And then when we would have an open house and we didn't have anyone to work the like 10 minute intuitive card readings or quick energy healing, I started doing all these things just as like a stand in because I had so much knowledge because I studied it so much myself. And I was very much like, oh, it's just for me. Like, I don't want to teach anyone. Like, I've got so much I've got to do for me. Like, I don't, I don't have the capacity. I don't have the interest. 
And then as soon as I started to like round that corner of like, this shit works and like, I love it. I started offering and prescribing and like sharing with anyone who would listen to me, like what was magical. And eventually people started like wanting to come and see me instead of wanting to come and see the intuitives that we had there just from the little services that I was giving. So I started doing more and more and more. And it definitely did take me a few more years after that to really like make it my full-time career. I had a corporate career as an executive assistant for a CEO at a FinTech company but I got to use my intuition so much. He was minimal communication. And so he gave me very minimal pieces of information to go off of. And I would just like go in and pick and shoot and like sift through. And I got to hone my intuitive and channeling skill set and reading the auric field and sifting through what I like to call Pictionary with my guides, where I'm like seeing a picture or seeing a snippet or seeing something or feeling something. Or I also taste energy. I have Claire Gustinens as well. And like, figuring out what all of that means. And then I would come back to him and be like, you wanted this and this and this in this way, right? And he'd be like, yeah. And he just thought, you know, oh, this is such a symbiotic relationship. And eventually we got to the point where he was like, okay, how do you know that? And I started responding and do you want to know how I know that? Or do you just want to like leave it as it's one of those things that like I know, but I don't know. So I started offering to him, this is something I know for sure, like provable like I saw it or I experienced it or like, I know, no. And then there was another category of like, I just know. And he started to take them as the same pieces of information of like, even if I couldn't prove it, even if I couldn't like tell him where I knew that from or that I saw it, he just started to take my, my intuitive hits as not necessarily fact, but with much more weight because I was so consistent with it. So it was a beautiful way to to flex my intuition and really hone that skill. And eventually the scales kind of tipped where I was working on my own business while I was working for him. And I remember one moment where he like gave me a project and I was like annoyed. I was like, excuse me, I am like working on my newsletter right now for my business. And I was like, okay, like this, this is probably the time where I need to make a change because I was able to handle it at like 60% capacity and utilize that other 40% to like do what I wanted to do and spend my time how I wanted to spend my time. And he was fine with it as long as I was getting his stuff done. But in that moment, I was like, I only want to do my stuff. Like I only want to do spiritual, intuitive work all the time. And I ended up leaving my corporate job while I was pregnant and foregoing maternity leave. Uh, People thought I was crazy but it was such a deep calling. Like when you find that Dharma and you start to get this like beautiful obsessed, like a high vibrational obsessed of like, I'm obsessed with this and it's beautiful and I love it. And this is all I want to do. I just like, couldn't not listen to it anymore and steeping my baby, growing my baby in this vibration of like growing my business and growing my love and my Dharma and like stepping into my fullness, like becoming a priestess, fully in a way I had never accessed while growing my child was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's so relatable too. like, I think there's probably a lot of people listening who have maybe are at that point right now, or have been at that point where it's like, it's like so out of alignment to do anything other than our, our calling. And when you get yeah, to that yeah. point, it's like, then, you know, you have to make that change. Yes. Yeah. And it was very fast. Like I made the decision to quit my job in about four hours. I consulted uh, the partners that I was with at the time. Um, And in about four hours, I went from like, oh, this like really doesn't feel good anymore to to like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and like bought a new personal work computer and drafted up my letter and told my HR woman, hey, on Monday, I'm going to be resigning. And she was like, yeah, right. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to resign on Monday. Like, I just wanted to give you a heads up. And she was like, I am so confused. And it went very quickly. I ended up like coming back pretty frequently to like support them in training um, several new hires to take my position and love the company, love him, like really loved everyone there. But I was like, I, I need to be doing something different and for the majority of my time. And now I look back at the way that I lived my life and I'm like, oh my God, like I have so much time for personal practice and time for rest and recuperation and just being with myself. Like my happiness skyrocketed by being my own boss. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I can so relate to that journey so much. Okay, so one of the things I couldn't wait to talk to you about is psychedelics, the plant yeah. medicine journeys. Um, you lead these at retreats, which is like so fucking cool. Tell me, um, how did you get into to plant medicine journeys? What are, what are the psychedelics that you like to use? Um, and yeah, why are you so passionate about like bringing this to, uh, to people and helping facilitate these journeys? Oh. So plant medicines are extremely close to my heart. Um, I am a fire sign and I'm deeply connected to water and earth has been something that's always been kind of lacking from my life, from my upbringing, from just my like understanding of connection. And I, I lost my mother um, a few years ago and this deep connection, this calling to Madre, like I've been calling my mother, the mother, I called her La Madre when I was little. And there was just something really potent about that. And I've kind of always had this like, for lack of a better term, those of you who have seen the Frozen movies, the like, I've been hearing this call for a really long time and I couldn't place what it was. And once I stumbled upon ayahuasca and started to learn about how she presents as the mother or the grandmother energy and the way that people were describing it and the imagery of it. I was like, I've seen this. I have felt this. I've, I've been there before. And so I have, I actually staff for my um, business in Akashic Records Reader. And so as soon as I started understanding that and really like figuring that out, I went into the Akasha with her and found other lives where I've been working with plant medicines. And I, of course, like dabbled in, you know, college of like had access to magic mushrooms and my experiences with psychedelics and even like MDMA or LSD were very spiritual and were very ceremonial. Like everybody wanted to do these things and then go out, go dancing, go party, go drink. And I was like, I want to stay home. Like, I want to like sit with myself. I want to journal. I want to like watch beautiful. Like I love to watch the, there's these Dior, like beautiful videos of like one is based off of the tarot and one is all these mystical creatures and a gorgeous forest. And I'm like, that's what I want to do is like, I want to explore consciousness. I want to be present with myself and the people that I love. And I want to like jump our relationships forward and break through callous parts of our hearts. And people thought I was crazy. They're like, no, we're going to go to the festival and like jam out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here. Like I'm going to stay here and be with this. And as soon as I like found ayahuasca, it changed my life like completely. And I hear so many others describe like it is a call, it is a pull. Like when it is for you, like she reaches out to you and is like, find a way. And I found a way and it changed everything. And the beauty of this medicine and the way that it was given to us and the way that it's been honored and held is just so deeply transformative that it expanded my mind and allowed me to access other types of plant medicine in different ways. So I deeply work with plant medicines all the way from non-hallucinogenic like herbs as well as ceremonial grade cacao. I work with hape, which is a sacred plant medicine snuff that's actually blown up the nasal passageway and decalcifies the pineal gland and is a beautiful clarifying and purification medicine um, pretty frequently. I work with cannabis and psilocybin. I am deeply dedicated to the plant medicine ayahuasca. Um, and I've recently started exploring the medicine of bufo as well. I've worked with combo and just deep exploration of the medicines that the earth and the animals offer to us that allow us to commune with source or commune with God or understand the God within us. and it's changed my life. It's changed so many lives around me. And I am unbelievably like in love with it and dedicated to it. And I just, I think it holds so much promise for so many of us. Yeah. So, okay. Tell us about an ayahuasca journey because I have not done that yet. And I'm afraid of the purging. <laughs> I, so let's talk about that. Cause I was the exact same, like the number one thing when I was trying to figure out like, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to do this? Where am I going to go? 
I was very concerned about going to Central or South America. I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. Um, my mother was really adamant when we were little that we would be American. And so she never taught us Spanish, even though we're 50% Mexican. Um, so I was worried. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm not going to speak the language. I'm like, what's the bathroom situation? Like the idea of puking or pooping into a bucket around straight. I was like, I am unavailable for this. I'm also really, really bad when I'm hot. Like if I'm hot and sticky and sweaty and uncomfortable, it's not going to work. And I like fully in my mind had this idea that if I was hot, if there was not air conditioning, that like it would not work for me. And so a lot of the places that I was finding didn't have air conditioning. You are in very large groups and public spaces. And I was like the bathroom thing, the lodging, like I'm, I'm nervous. I did find um, a place in the States that I looked into. And that was the first question I asked when I talked to the woman at the front desk. I was like, what's the air conditioning situation? What's the bathroom situation? Like before I did ayahuasca, I had never burped in front of another person. I had never spit in front of another person. So the idea of puking into a bucket in front of another person just did not sit well with me. But I will tell you this, the experience of purging in ayahuasca, in medicine, in this ceremony, is truly one of the most sacred things I have ever experienced. The very first time that I purged, I released trauma, anxiety, shame, guilt, heaviness, stagnation, calcification from my like very difficult, very trauma ridden, very low vibration um, relationship with my father, who at the time I was estranged with, and now I have a relationship with. And so actually like witnessing it come out, witnessing your body, find it and ayahuasca, find it within you. And it, it is a co-creation of this releasing. Like she comes to you and asked me, are you willing to let this go? Like, are you willing to see what life is like if you're not carrying this within you? And together we like explored all of the work that I had done around it. Cause I came into that ceremony, like I'm good on my dad's stuff. Like it's all mom focused now. She was like, oh no, sweetheart, <laughs> there's a lot of dad stuff still in there. You're like, you've shoved it down. You've basically trash compacted it. And so that first purge was a lot of just all this stuff that I had worked to accumulate and put into this really tiny container so that it didn't affect me as much. She was like, we could get rid of it. Like we could let it go. We could release it. You could truly purge it from your system. And it was beautiful. Like Obviously the like physicality of puking is not the most enjoyable thing, but in medicine, you understand what's happening in a way that like, I've never been that connected to my bodily functions and my, my sacred temple is truly that now to me. Like I understand how sacred my body is. I take care of it so differently. I honor it and treat it so differently because of this whole experience. But being over that bucket, witnessing these things come out of me and then witnessing it not being inside me anymore was truly magical. And I'm like forever grateful for each aspect from the esoteric of like releasing it all the way to the very practical of like, I am much more comfortable in my body and I am much more comfortable in the bodily functions that as a woman, I was told like, that makes you less ladylike, that makes you less presentable, that's not okay, you keep that to yourself. And I was always really uncomfortable that like, there were other girls who were like, chill with their body functions and like, not weird about it. Like my mom never said the word poop to me. Me and my sister had never said the word poop to each other. And then we meet other people who are like, talking about this regularly in their family. And we're like, what is this? Like, we're so uncomfortable. So working with plant medicine especially around the physicality of it was beautiful both ends of the spectrum all the way through so i totally understand why that's a concern but i i encourage you to consider what what a beautiful process it can be both with the physical body as well as with the energetic body of like you get to release things that are truly no longer serving you that is amazing. And everyone who has, that I've spoken to or heard talk about it, like loves it, says it's worth yeah. it, you know? It's so yeah. Um, and even with, yeah, even with like having a bad trip, like I had a bad trip on psilocybin one time and I, I woke up the next day and was like, so glad I had done it because the yeah. thing that it's just so much of a learning experience. And I've heard a lot of people say that too, yes. but there's probably some people listening right now who are like, that no this is bad this is drugs this is dangerous 
right? Because obviously so much happened when these things became illegal um, and, you know, it has a bad reputation. So what do you say about that? <laughs> I say it is definitely a very personal calling. So especially with ayahuasca and like the resurgence or rise of its popularity right now, there are a lot of people that are going to the medicine that are not necessarily called to the medicine that are curious, interested, um, exploring in a different way. And I really encourage people to sit with it and see if like, if there is a calling, if there is a pull, if you feel a connection to the mother medicine, if you feel a connection to the plants, if you feel a connection to the earth, to Pachamama. And so I offer um, like, free integration almost calls of like, okay, let's talk about the bringing in of the call, not just the bringing in of the medicine, but like, are you hearing this call? Like looking up pictures of this plant sitting in meditation with it. Like, what is your personal practice? Like, what are you hearing? What are you like being shown or given? A lot of times I'm helping people navigate the imagery of it, the other stories of it. And really sitting with that in an embodied way and see like is this call for me like is the fear very monkey mind 3d focused and then we can like discuss the technicality of that is the fear feeling of the grandiosity of what you're potentially embarking upon is the fear really trepidation about like what will it look like if i let go of some of those things if i'm not carrying those things around because our traumas our burdens our limiting beliefs they are safety cloaks for a lot of us like it is comfortable to stay in the thing that like you don't like but that you are very very familiar with so that's always the first thing that i talk to people about is like is this a call or is this a curiosity because if it's a curiosity there might be another way to kind of explore and see is this a true calling so like i love to have people sit in cacao ceremonies prior to working with like a facilitated psilocybin journey or an ayahuasca peyote anything like that just so that they can start to understand what ceremony is what honoring a sacred space going deep within and it does not have to be partnered with a hallucinogenic medicine like i personally work with the vine only of ayahuasca and so vine and leaf are what are brewed down to make ayahuasca and the vine only is non-hallucinogenic it is just the ancient wisdom the ancient medicine the ancient teachings like our plants are our grand record keepers they are our grand teachers and so i work very frequently with just the vine only that's also an option for people who are interested feel that call but maybe aren't ready or open or don't feel all the way prepared to sit with the full medicine um doing something like a cacao ceremony and vine only or just doing a ceremony with the vine only in a facilitated capacity it's not just for the visual experience of it oftentimes what i'm getting now in my deeper practice with ayahuasca is not very visualization focused it is this ancient wisdom this remembering of who we truly are this for me, a communion with God, with source, with my own consciousness. And the integration is really the most important. The experience is beautiful and profound, but it's about taking this with you, grounding it into the body, taking it forward into your life. And so working with potentially a spiritual coach, a spiritual mentor, even without the addition of psychedelics, um, just doing more ritual, more ceremonial, more journey type work is often equally as transformative. So talking through many options, if what they're hearing about this medicine is drawing them, but the medicine itself doesn't feel in alignment either ever or yet. There's so many different ways that we can work with our own spirituality, our own essence, come back to remembering and be happier, more full, truthful versions of ourselves. Mm, yeah, that's such a good point. I love that. Um, cause it, uh, different things are going to be right for different people. And then it's not yeah. like a one size fits all. Um, yeah. What's your favorite thing? Like what's your favorite part of the experience of using plant medicine? <sighs> Just the, the understanding, the clarity, the, the beauty, like you witness life in its true 
form. Like the matrix is peeled back. And like, for instance, the last two ayahuasca journeys I've gone on or like ceremonial weekends, I've had the opportunity to be outside in nature um, towards the end. And so just going outside, seeing a fire, looking up at the stars, you're like, holy shit. Like we, like I, I get to see this all the time and I don't look at it like this. And it looks the same. And yet I am in awe of the beauty of where we are and what just what it feels like to have a body and to be present with yourself. Like one of my main limiting beliefs or hurdles or roadblocks that I've been working with for the past few years is around control. So as a child of trauma, I learned to control things to feel safe and to give myself comfort. And so I actually like hold on to control a lot of times without even realizing it by narrating things. So if anyone's ever like done any work around becoming the gentle observer where you pull yourself back from like what you're experiencing, I actually do the opposite of that quite naturally, where I narrate and tell myself the story of the experience that's happening in front of me as a means of controlling where my perception is going. And I've made so many excuses for this. I've been like, oh, no, no, it just helps me like stay present. Oh, no, no, it's because I have a baby and I'm always narrating everything for her. Like it's just, and I've made so many excuses for this. And in one of my journeys, it was my most difficult journey. And over and over and over, I had to dismantle this control and came back into true presence. And then everything would like be in ayahuasca like in the medicine and then when I would come back to my control everything would dissipate and it would be regular like 3d matrix world and so I was constantly shifting in between the two of these and I'm like to understand that to see it so fully played out in front of you that then I get to take that back into life and so now I catch myself much faster I can shift out of it way quicker I have such grace and gratitude for this practice and process and the dismantling of control in a 3D sense has been life-changing and transformative for me. And that's like one of just many, many nuggets. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's that feeling of oneness for me. And and I'm obsessed with, with like doing these experiences in nature. And like you yes. said, every, it's like a tree in my backyard that I've looked at 3000 times and it's the middle of winter, it's not even, there's no green, but it's like, wow. And you're just, because you feel one with everything. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, it's it's really, really magical. We'll have to do, we'll have to do this together at some point. Yes, yes, please. Fun. I love <laughs> holding space and sharing space and curating this experience for others to explore something that is, is a little bit nerve inducing is a little bit fearful for some people and especially with um psilocybin and i personally believe with ayahuasca the set in the setting is so important like feeling connected and safe yes. with your facilitator with your ceremony leader feeling an alignment for instance like my my ceremonies are so connected because i have such a deep connection to the individuals that are leading the ceremonies and like the the way the music comes through like the ikros or the sacred songs that are saying with the taking and being with medicine like they are equally as healing as the medicine itself and so that's something that i've really brought into my facilitated psilocybin ceremonies is that the vibration of everything that's there the set and the setting changes and transforms your experience and so the music that's played even in the background the music that's sung i'll channel music sometimes the crystals that are there if we're bringing cacao into that the setting of the space the creating of a medicine circle all of these aspects really add to your experience and allow you to direct your experience so that you're often able to navigate what a lot of people might call a bad trip so I like to make the distinction between a bad trip and a difficult or um, heavy or a trip that like you really work through. A bad trip to me is where someone veers off into a direction that they don't desire and don't have control over um, and don't choose and don't feel there's aligned work in that space. So for instance, if there's a poster up on the wall that is 
scary imagery or imagery that doesn't feel uplifting and beautiful and you get lost in that with psilocybin especially like it can take you in one direction whereas a difficult journey like what i'm describing with this dismantling of control even in it i was like i would flip the switch and turn this off if i could but i also knew in those moments that like doing this work is important because of what it's going to create in my life and so there is this commitment there is this acknowledgement this connection to the work versus a bad trip of like oh i feel out of control i feel like it's taking me somewhere that i don't want to go and i don't necessarily feel like there's productivity or like the the magic in this space that we want to navigate away from and having a facilitator there who can start to see you like letting that train of thought take over can help guide you back gently and really help you create the type of experience that you're looking for and support you in that heavier more difficult more strenuous like when you're running your marathon versus like having a nice walk in the park having a facilitator there who's taking care of the cleansing the music selection and where we are and you know dosage all of these types of things is extremely profound and often a way that we don't really hear people working with things like LSD, MDMA, psilocybin, all of those types of medicines. Yeah, I love that. And it absolutely makes sense. Like there, yeah, there's definitely a difference between a difficult journey that is a huge revelation and yes. just something that came in from the side during your trip and like pulled you in a direction that's just totally not worth anything. Yeah, it's good to come from it. So yeah, definitely makes sense to have a facilitator and do it, you know, that's also like, you know, safer and, and responsible and all of that. So definitely. So in like, what about like in everyday life? What are some of your favorite ways to feel grounded and feel that oneness and that presence um, in, in your daily life, your, your work day where you're not going to, you know, trip your pants off? What are some <laughs> yeah. practices? So I've definitely gotten much more consistent with my hot pay practice, which has been really profound for me, the clarity and just grounding and coming back to presence with myself um, in this last like six months, I've very much been working on self and integration of the self, the integration of the ego, the integration of the shadow self, the inner child, the higher self. And so working with hot pay is something that I can do um, like more in my daily life rather than like a ceremonial or retreat space or even just like a private uh, curation for myself. That has been really profound. Um, I've also started doing a lot with my grounding cord and also my light pillar. So for a long time, I was just grounding to the center of the earth. And then I started to release things that needed to be transmuted or maybe that weren't mine, sending them to the center of the earth, allowing them to come back cleansed and refreshed if they're mine or back to someone else if they're someone else's. And over the past like year or two, I've been starting to not only just ground to the center of the earth and work that direction, but then go upwards and connect with the multiverse. And then I create um, or activate more so the crystalline light pillar that goes through us when we have both of those connections. <laughs> so deeply connected to the earth, deeply connected to the cosmos, moving through each of my central chakras, moving through my auric field. And that has really changed my ability to connect to oneness and really reactivate these deep lessons that plant medicine offers us and that's one of the things that i'm very focused on is that daily ideally if not weekly i'm connecting to plant medicines and their teachings and their offerings not necessarily with ingesting of the medicine although microdosing mushrooms is a beautiful way to do that where you're not experiencing the hallucinogenic property but you're you're bringing in the magic and allowing the brain to operate in that way but really just allowing myself to go, okay, I work with this and I'm able to click into this through meditation, through breath work, through conscious practice, through ritual, through ceremony. And so I am now regularly trying to do that, if not daily, definitely weekly, where I like bring up my experiences and start to jump vibrational planes and realign with that vibration, even without taking in the medicine or using, um, kind of like a current support to help me jump into that. So I might utilize cacao to help me like get back up into that vibrational space that then gives me access to the teachings of plant medicines. 
Interesting. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Harpe. Is that what it's called? Harpe. I literally yeah. learned about this this week, and then you brought it up when we first started chatting. So yeah. tell us what that is. So Harpe or Rape uh, is a sacred snuff medicine that's made in Central and South America. It's made in other places too, but that's where I get mine from and it is a blend of dried herbs and ash that are ground down very fine and then you have either a personal administration tool that kind of looks like uh, an L or you have a longer tool which would be administered from one person to another and you're basically placing the powdered material the powdered herbs into the top part doing a little practice doing a little ceremony with that honoring that cleansing yourself and the medicine, giving thanks, giving blessings, setting your intention, and then you're inserting that tool into the nose and then blowing through the tool, which then pushes the sacred stuff or the dried herb up into the nasal cavity and it decalcifies the pineal gland. The different blends of hape do different things. So you can get different ones that are tuned to specific chakras that are very grounding or very purifying, very you know, vision focused. It is not a hallucinogenic medicine. So you're not seeing anything that isn't there. You're not losing faculty or senses, but there's this beautiful clarity that is offered. For me, it comes as spaciousness. So with my meditation practice, with my mantra practice, with my breath work practice, with my Kundalini practice, I'm always utilizing these tools to get to this place of spaciousness where I really understand the spaciousness within me, the spaciousness around me, and our programmable nature that like in the openness of our molecular structure, it's that space where we get to choose our programming, set our intention, vibrate at a different frequency. And so working with Hape not only helps me ground, not only helps me come back to myself, but gives me instantaneous access to my own sacred spaciousness. And then in that space, I have a beautiful conversation with myself I often go into an embodiment practice or a meditation practice right afterwards or a journaling practice and really like curate my paradigm, curate my subconscious, like curate my vibration. And that has been really profound for me. And I've only now gotten more consistent with it. Um, it's not the most comfortable thing, just as someone who like doesn't regularly put anything up my nose. I like am not used to that and it, it yeah. it's definitely a little it's a little startling when it goes up there but as i've started to be more consistent with this practice the benefit of it is just so beautiful that like now it's like a slight discomfort whereas before like i was like having to suit myself up and really like get get myself there and like cheerlead myself so wow that is so it, interesting it's so profound it's so powerful it's so potent like uh I love it so much. I'm like deeply grateful that I continued to focus and realign and come back to it and work with it so that I could get to this place because it has been changing my at-home practice and my ability to integrate from my medicine ceremonies. Wow. So you're a mom. I'm, a mom. I'm not a mom, so I don't know anything about this, but I want to ask you this because I have a lot of friends who might want to become a mom someday, but there's a lot of hesitation because, um, I don't know, it's kind of a mixture between we see on Instagram, always sees the perfect family with the babies and everyone's under a filter and everything's edited and professional photos. And even, of, even of, you know, everything looks perfect. So you kind of have this idea that it just looks amazing and perfect and fun, but then you also hear so much like complaining and so much of a struggle that comes with parenting and so I think that there's kind of this like a big confusion on what that would even be like and then coming from the spiritual world where we learn to let go of so many of the day-to-day -day struggles and annoyances we learn to like let go of those like ego-based struggles that are just in our mind what 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 is that like as a mother like how how has this journey helped you see things differently in that sense it's everything like parenting is so different from this space 
So I'll start all the way from the beginning before I even like I knew I wanted to bring a child into the world through my physical body at like 15. Like I went from like, no, I want to like marry a horse when I was little and like be a horse trainer. I want to live with only horses to like one day at 15. I woke up and I was like, I want a baby and I want a baby now. And I was like, what? And so I've been constantly like holding back from that. And I had a deep spiritual connection to spirit babies. I had been communing with multiple spirits for a while, but about a year and a half before I decided to get pregnant, I was cycling in both for my physical body, spiritually, I was like connecting with this baby. And I ended up choosing to have both a wild pregnancy and a free birth. So I grew my baby completely outside of our societal system. I did all my own prenatal care. I birthed her into my own hands in my bathtub in my own home with no medical supervision. Like the way that I approached conscious conception, pregnancy, labor, the birth, just everything with her was so spiritually aligned and was so connected through my spiritual lens. And she is she's different because of it like when she was first born she interacted with no synthetic light with no voices that were not you know people who deeply loved her she came into this world with me wearing a mala that i made that was beads that had been intention set by my most sacred women in my life she experienced a mother blessing we facilitated an ayahuasca experience while i was pregnant holding space for others being around that sacred medicine like she's just been brought into this world and has been grown in this world in a very intuitive and very spiritually aligned way and she is so gifted both in utero i was given several of her gifts and then now that she is you know walking around on her own two legs she is so intuitive and so connected and i'm just very excited to see her grow in a way where like I understand that I'm programming her at every moment. So like at night before she goes to sleep, I am holding her little face, telling her exactly what I want to be like played back on autopilot in her subconscious when she's older. Like we work with breath work and we talk about her chakras and like she is very focused on the third eye. Like she will kiss your third eye, put things on your third eye. She already has her own collection of crystals at two years old and like she knows what to do with them. Like when she first picked out a crystal and she was finally old enough to like not gnaw on it or make me worry that she's going to eat it. She gets it. She picks one and she goes, mommy, I need you to put it in water. Oh my gosh. And I was like, you perfect little baby. And she like, I put it in a cup of water and I let it sit there. And she told me when it was done, she's like, it's clean now, mommy. I'd like my crystal back. Oh my gosh. It was a rose quartz. She put it right on her heart. Like she, she knows she is just growing up in this space of like fostering the intuitive skill set, fostering her other senses. In addition to your regular milestones. Like we look at our kids and we're like, okay, when are they laying on their bellies, holding their heads up? When are they crawling? When are they walking? And for Everly and I, I'm looking at spiritual milestones and like cognitive cerebral milestones that I'm seeing through the energetic field. The first time she had a complex thought where she went like A to B, B to C, ooh, A to C in her brain. I saw it in her auric field first. And I was like, what just happened? And I like sunk back into the humanness and picked out what just happened. And after I saw her do that, like have that more complex connection for the very first time, I watched her do like three other things that were more complex right afterwards. And I was like, are other parents getting to witness these milestones, the like energetic or vibrational or cognitive milestones in the same way that we're witnessing the walking, talking, things that are so visual and so taught to us. So supporting others in bringing up children in an intuitive and a spiritually aligned way is one of my passions. And a lot of the clients I work with, I work with them around conscious conception and pregnancy and labor and, okay, how do we prep our businesses? How do we prep our lives for this? The things that people aren't necessarily talking about, like, I want to talk about all the things that happen in the hospital that you want to advocate for yourself, that you want your doula to advocate or your partner to advocate because you're going to be in labor. And it's so much more difficult to advocate for yourself when you're like in this 
sensation that you've never experienced before in your body like you are becoming a cosmic portal bringing a child into the world like women are the only things like that are powerful enough to go into another realm retrieve a soul and bring them through us into the physical reality like it's amazing like it is one of the most spiritual experiences it's also very magnifying for your gifts like my priestess really upgraded and went through this deep alchemical transformation during my pregnancy and during my labor and during my birth like it is it is a rite of passage and it is a beautiful ceremony in and of itself and i highly recommend that if it's something that you're called to and you choose or chooses you that you honor it in that way like I love to tell women about having a mother blessing, like doing these sacred ritual practices, honoring the shift from maiden to mother and supporting, you know, our friends and our loved ones who are going through that and honoring in yourself if that's not a choice that you desire, that like it doesn't take away from anything. Like it's not, oh, I'm missing out if it's not in alignment for you. Like each of us following our alignment is what is most important. Like that is what each of our vibrations and the collective needs from us and calls from us to follow what is aligned for each of us. Interesting, wow, that is so beautiful. What about like with some of the hardships that come along with, you know, maybe not getting to sleep as much or as as well, like how has, how has present moment awareness and meditation and all the other practices that you do, how has that helped you move through those like everyday little struggles that people have, whether or not they have a kid, but in this case with motherhood, like how has that helped you with those things that other parents maybe get so caught up in and you see that and you're like, it doesn't have to be that way maybe? It does not have to be that way. Like it does not have to be that way. And one of the biggest um areas of benefit that i've gotten from my practice that really made a big difference in motherhood was the idea that we can only pour from what's in our own cup and so i have been working with that so much in preparation for having a child because that's the number one thing that i feel like i learned in opposition with my mother that like my own mother lost herself completely in her children she didn't have hobbies she didn't have a personality outside of like these are my kids i love my kids like this is what i do for my kids and i go to their stuff and i love what they love and like now that my mother has passed and we have a very deep relationship now that she's on that other side and we understand each other so much more now that we're connecting in more of this like channeled guide type way she's really allowed me to witness her before children who she was what she liked what she did what she was interested in the, the pieces that i never got to know because she was just my mom and so that was something that was very important to me that i needed to cultivate this practice of like putting myself first with the intention with the understanding that that is the best for my child that if i am depleted if i am not my best aligned highest version of self that like she's not getting the best aligned highest version of self and everything in my life suffers my clients suffer my child suffers like everyone gets maybe suffers not the best word but doesn't get the best that i have to offer some of it is definitely suffering though i've gone like a week without meditating where i like fell off or was like not feeling well and i'm like my patience is less my articulation is less my connection is less with you my presence is less with you that like i do a disservice to the people that i love to the people that i care for to the people who i'm around by not putting myself first and taking myself seriously when i'm like i'm depleted my cup is not full my cup is not overflowing like i need to get back to that space and so that has really like changed my understanding of motherhood and being a parent and it is very very like you can see it and like it's one of the things that i really see a big difference between the way that i parent and the way that some of my more 3d friends or acquaintances or people that i'm coming in contact with of what is really important like what are we putting priority status on like what are we doing first and prioritizing and filling your own cup so that you can show up as your full self is my number one when i'm in alignment obviously there are times when i fall off but like coming back to that i have a deep belief and i've restructured my paradigm and my operating system to prioritize that to not see that as shameful as guilty as selfish that it is the best thing that i can do 
for everyone that I love. That is so important. And I feel like for us, like growing up, I feel like most of us had mothers who were really ingrained in this, like, my life is about me being a mother. And therefore, like, you know, maybe there's not a lot of a lot of money and it's every dime goes to the kids. Nothing for me because that's greedy and selfish. Everything. It was, it's like this martyr motherhood thing that we all grew up with. Most of us, I, I feel so undoing that paradigm a little bit. And yeah, like, I think it's so important that you share that message because I, I completely agree. It, cha- it changes the way you raise children. It changes the way you live your life. It changes everything if you're putting yourself first because that's the only thing that you can like really control is like okay what i'm thinking what i'm feeling how i'm showing up like i can't control the first time she gets bullied i can't control when someone says something to her i can't control the first time that like somebody's gonna tell her her mom's crazy like somebody's gonna tell her her mom's crazy like one thousand percent oh definitely like she's gonna have somebody at her school somebody's parents say like your mom talks to people who are not there. Like, how, like it's 1000% going to happen. My therapist and I have already had many conversations about it. She's like, well, you want to make sure that she's not like talking to people that aren't there at you know school. And I'm like, why? Mommy talks to people that aren't there. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to push that down her, but it is something that we're going to have to deal with. Like, it's going to be different than just like her having an imaginary friend. Like if she's clairvoyant, she starts seeing things. If she's clairaudient and starts hearing things, like I can't control the outside world, but what I can control is my ability to stay in alignment and to have those conversations and support her in the best way possible when those things come up. Because our job as parents is not to shield them from everything. It's to help them regulate their nervous system, figure out how they're gonna navigate this and bring that power back within themselves. Because we as adults, we can't shield ourselves from all of the things. Like we can't just like, oh, I'm never gonna deal with anything that's stressful. No, it's the ability to deal with process these things and still stay in alignment with yourself. That is what I want to teach her. So to be able to teach that, I have to be able to do that, which means I do have to put myself first. I do have to take care of myself and fill my own cup so that I'm able to show her, this is how mommy does that. This is how you could do that. Try this, try that. Let's see if that works. Let's see if this works and make it her own. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we can't, I feel like it's, we want to control everything in our life and make it all perfect and avoid all struggle and set boundaries with everyone that bothers us, which like some of those things are great. Yeah. Like do those things, but life is going to be crazy and wild and there's going to be change is the only thing that's certain. So being able to gracefully deal with that is such a beautiful thing to be able to teach a child because it's like, you can't just people, I think people think that, oh, what I tell my kid is what they're going to learn. But like, no, you're, you're learning by observing how your parent handled that. Like, did they start like gossiping and judging and freaking out and whatever, when someone was talking or did they gracefully like let it go? And, and you have such a beautiful opportunity to teach that. And that's so amazing. And it's so vibrational. Like our children learn through energy and vibration and frequency way more than they learn through what we're saying. So of like even my own energy field of like we're at the point where Everly doesn't just hear what I'm saying, doesn't just pick up what I'm doing. She's like, like, she'll tell me, mommy, you're sad. And I'm like, I have a happy face. She's like, mommy, you're sad. And she knows. She's like, I feel it. She can point it out in my body where my sadness is held and often what it's about. And like, she'll put her little hand on my face and be like, tell me about this specific thing, mommy. Like, she is so in tune and aware that like how I navigate myself is far more important than what I'm parroting back to her of like, she picks up on things because they're sponges zero to seven. They are just in like this theta brainwave state of absorbing, 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 and all of that, like that is all going to be her internal voice. That is all going to be her internal programming. So let us program our children as intentionally as possible because it's happening no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You should like write a book about this. (laughs) I am definitely 
curating and and birthing a program for this to like allow other people to come and like study in a collective with me and with others who are doing this both preparing themselves and in you know conscious parenting but a book or like an interactive workbook uh, sounds really really a good idea as well because i'm seeing so many people ready to do this ready to be like okay like spirituality and intuition has been a calling for me and like now I'm ready to have children like what does that mean yeah what does that look like um yeah I love the idea of the program too getting people into kind of that group setting because as you mentioned if your child goes to a traditional school they're there you might be the only parent that's into this stuff you know um I went to like a hippie fairy school as a kid so it was kind of the opposite for me yeah so (laughs) um but yeah I uh that's really amazing um and I can't wait to hear more about that as it comes out so my final question for you is what is a favorite book we're like nerds over here on the bare naked soul podcast what's a favorite book or even one that like recently has impacted you Ooh, okay so favorite book is letters to a young poet by rilke um but recently has affected me i would say can i say three that's so aggressive so three in very different directions it it basically shows the like pillars of my life so first and foremost fuck like a goddess by alexandra roxo if you have not read it it is profound it is potent it is juicy it is beautiful she is all about embodiment and intimacy and connection with the self and reclaiming our sacred self so that one is one of my now on repeat books where i like get to the end and i just go back to the beginning and i read bits and pieces and i read it straight through and I read all the time. Fuck Like a Goddess, Alexandra Roxo. Um, Rich as Fuck by Amanda Francis. Basically last year, two of my favorite books came out with fuck in the title. And I was like, yep, these are my ladies. And Rich as Fuck is from the money queen herself and just constantly steeping myself into this vibration of like, money loves me and I love it. And abundance is magical and beautiful. And it is important. It is my responsibility as a heart centered, soulful woman to make fucking bank because we vote with our dollars and we change the world by being abundant. And so that book, same thing. I get to the end. I start from the beginning. I have the audio book. I fall asleep to it. I'm on a long drive. I pop that on. I want to hear Amanda Francis talking to me all the time telling me that I'm a rich badass bitch all the time so I like just start both of those two over and over again my balance of like soulful divine feminine embodiment and then my ooh divine masculine like let's make money in a feminine way (laughs) she like sprinkles the feminine on top of it and then one that I knew was going to change my life that I didn't read for a very long time and read recently and have now even started to record my own audiobook version um, of it for my beloved is untamed by glennon doyle and so that one has been profound and like i've dog-eared and highlighted and post-it noted like there's one section in there that i'm like straight up gonna read to my kid directly and like it is i think glennon doyle is the faulkner of our generation like this dream of consciousness just this is what's in my head and it's gonna change lives is so beautiful it's such an easy read it's such a profound read as a woman loving woman it's so beautiful to witness that cataclysmic love and so as a valentine's day gift to my beloved i started recording it because her eyes um are not the best so with glasses it's hard for her to like focus to read for a long time so I started to record all of Untamed um, and hosted it on my Kajabi site so that she can jump on there and have her own audible with me reading it to her and half the time I'm like crying oh like bawling and like breathing heavy and having to take long pauses but wow. to be able to share that with her and my best friend started reading it at a similar time as me and so it's been life-changing to to share that book with those I love and share that with my own soul and eventually share that with my child yeah I am obsessed with Lennon Doyle um I've got all of her books and yeah it's they just make you cry but it's the best best cry it's the most authentic real thing I've ever fucking read oh and then I love Amanda Francis Red Rich as Fuck so good um yeah those are some really good books everyone needs to write those three down I need to read Fuck Like a Goddess (laughs) 
speaking of conscious babies, Amanda Francis is going to have twins. I know. I'm so excited for yeah. her. I'm like, oh, more conscious, rich, bitch babies. Like, please, <laughs> please. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. She's like the celebrity of, of the, of this industry. Yes. Like she's the one, we don't care if celebrities are having kids. We only care. Yep. yep. Amanda Francis, Alexandra Rock. So like, these are my celebrities. Like yeah. I don't get starstruck by celebrities ever, but like me, if I were to meet Amanda Francis, I'd be like, Oh, oh same. My, oh my yeah. God. Like I, that you want to talk about fangirl? Like, yes. Yeah. AF forever. So yeah. if you guys have not listened to internet stalked, read the book, listen to the audible, follow her. Like she is, she's unbelievable. This woman understands the vibration of money in a way that I, I really believe no one else does. Like she is just on her own plane when it comes to this and the way she can explain it and help you integrate it. Profound. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Dope lady. Oh, well, this has been so incredible. Um, I'm sure everyone who's listening is ready to follow along to make sure they can jump into your conscious motherhood course and all your other offerings and your Deep Waters membership. How can people find you and stay up to date with everything? Yeah. So the best way to get in contact with me and see what I'm doing, what my sphere is all about is to follow me on Instagram. So my handle is our and R that's O U R A N D A R E. My website is also our and R.com. And you guys can check out all of my different offerings. I have private coaching. I have a membership. I run masterminds and other programs and practices. I have quite a few, um, self-paced digital courses as well so there's definitely something for you know whatever style of learning is your preference and whatever aspect of spiritual practice you're interested in feeling called to you guys can also shoot me a direct message on instagram i love to help people navigate and find um what's best for them so that you can jump into the community in a space that feels really good and aligned for you uh even if you're not interested in in any of my like technical offerings come be a part of my free Facebook group or just follow me on the gram. I love to like build true connection versus just followers. Like I want to know the people that I'm interacting with on my stories and who are reading my content and, you know, are able to even work in practice just in that way. There's so much magic that's shared in both of those spaces. So I would love to see you put a face to a name, a name to a face and get to know you more on your spiritual path. Amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. This has been quite magical.